You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Friday, final podcast of the week, continuing and finishing up our countdown of the greatest teams in franchise history. And yes, the greatest one, which should be no surprise to you all, is the 07-08 New Orleans, then Hornets, that made it to the Western Conference semifinals. Should have had an MVP. We'll dive into this year coming up here in just a moment. And then continue our conversation with Caroline Gonzalez, Betsy Borrego, and Theo Mitchell, part of their game day crew there in the Smoothie King Center. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So that 07-08 team, and man, this was this was a good team. They finished 56 and 26, just one win away from the Lakers to have the best record in the Western Conference during this stretch. The Lakers finished with 57 wins. Now they weren't quite up to the level of the Pistons in the East, who had 59, and the Celtics with 66 in the Eastern in the um, Eastern Conference as well. But they were a very very good team this was a lot of fun they were the fifth best offense the seventh best defense and they were slow in pace under Byron Scott during this time they were basically just very methodical offensively they knew when to launch three-pointers and they were top 10 in both attempts and three-point percentage and when you have a guy like Peja Stoyakovich who that season shot 44 percent on almost seven attempts per game in route to averaging 16.4 points per game yeah you're going to be pretty good from deep during that stretch Chris Paul also shot incredibly well 37 percent from deep you had Mo Pete with eight points per game on 45 percent shooting from deep um, so you had a number of these role players who just kind of knew what their role was and went out and did it particularly well. Um, Joel Butler shot 37%. Ryan Bowen in limited minutes shot uh, 49%, almost 50%. So these guys kind of knew what they were doing and could go out and just do it. And when you have a team that's got the makeup of a very complete roster, they're able to kind of have these role players really step up during this time. Offensively, obviously, we've mentioned Chris Paul, who led the team with 21.1 points per game, 11.6 assists, uh, and where were his steals? 2.7 steals per game. He was awesome this year. He was runner-up in the MVP to Kobe Bryant. Honestly, he probably should have won over Kobe Bryant. And I say this as a you know big LA and Lakers guy still, too, that he should have won over Kobe Bryant. They gave that to Kobe almost as a lifetime achievement award that year. Chris Paul was better. Leading kind of a surprise team, a team that had won just 39 games the year before and were kind of the upstarts of the league, a very good story leading that team. He should have probably been MVP that year. David West was great, 20.6 points per game, nine rebounds as well. You had Tyson Chandler healthy, who is a perfect pick and roll partner with Chris Paul. 
uh, 12 points per game alongside 12 rebounds. He shot 62.3% on the season and definitely earned the nickname of him and Chris Paul as the Crescent City Connection. You ran the pick and roll with him and then you could do a pick and pop with David West because he was deadly from that long mid-range game too. It's a very good combination of bigs to put around an amazing passer and floor general in Chris Paul. And as we mentioned, some of the role players, not too bad as well with Peja Stoyakovic, Mo Pete, Bonzi Wells played a little bit that season, nine points per game. Um, so you can kind of get an idea of how good this team was. And they were. They did a number of things well. They were great defensively, as we've mentioned, particularly on the defensive glass, the third best defensive rebounding team that season, limiting second chance opportunities like that offensively they just didn't turn the ball over pretty much at all and when you're that methodical that surgical with a guy like Chris Paul at the helm yeah you're gonna have a very efficient offense and certainly they were able to do that the one thing they were not good at which came back to bite them in the playoff series against the Spurs was they were not good at getting to the free throw line kind of ranking second to last in the league with that so the team goes into the playoffs and what did they do well they absolutely throttled the Dallas Mavericks 4-1 in their their opening round series uh really taking it to that team and just kind of leaving it at that um none of the games really other than the final one in game five was particularly Close. Uh, You had the Hornets winning over the Dallas Mavericks 104-92 in game one, 127-103 in the second game. They dropped the first one on the road to Dallas, 97-87 they lost, but then bounced back to win by 13, 97-84. And then finally in the closeout game, 99-94 to get the victory. Uh, And they were awesome. In, In the opening game, Chris Paul had 35 points. 32 in the second and was just outstanding in this series. He averaged 25 points per game alongside 12 assists two st- and two steals. It's pretty good overall from a player. Then going into the next round is when things kind of get a little bit sad. They ended up losing to the San Antonio Spurs in seven to go to the Western Conference Finals. And they were up 3-2 on this with all the home teams winning the first handful of games until the deciding game where the Spurs won 91-82 to here in New Orleans in the then New Orleans arena. A little bit of a disappointment to end the year after kind of seizing command of that and having two chances to close it out. But the Spurs were the third seed. It's not like they were a bad team or anything like that. Um, in that series, you had a number of guys who really stepped up. And when you have kind of the, the Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, Tim Duncan trifecta, yeah, they can be very, very good. Uh, throughout all of this so it ended kind of the best run the deepest this team has really gotten into the second round of the playoffs you have that Portland series but you know they got worked the next round by the Golden State Warriors here at least you kind of made it further and felt like this was maybe a team that could have won or at least gotten to the NBA finals that season it was as most things have been here, a bit of a flash in the pan as they weren't able to replicate a lot of that success in future seasons, but they were able to do it this year, and it was really fun having the West's second best record, having a guy who was a legitimate, should-have-been MVP guy in Chris Paul, David West at the height of his prowess, Pedro Stoyakovich bombing from deep, doing all those things, just a really fun, likable team that unfortunately was dismantled in subsequent seasons by ownership because they couldn't afford it was still really fun. And looking back on this, you know, the All-Star game was in New Orleans that year. 
you had them kind of just be the talk of the town. They were a whole lot of fun, and I think that's why this is, and they've also gone the furthest, the best team in franchise history. Some more on my conversation with the part of the Pelicans game day crew and Caroline Gonzalez, Theo Mitchell, Mitchell, Betsy Borrego. Excited for this one to run the rest of the interview. That'll be the next two segments here. But before I do that, don't forget to subscribe to Locked On Pelicans. Still here Monday, Wednesday, Friday, talking about everything you want to know. We've got a lot more to talk about next week in news and other things. Um, and we've still got some theme weeks planned as well. So don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. So continuing on my conversation, we're going to dive into a number of things. So let's just kind of pick it up where we left off the other day and jump right into it. It's nice to see Zion kind of embrace the Saints and be like very involved with everything. I know you see a lot of that, Caroline. Yeah, it's been really cool to see kind of all the players buy into both the Saints and the Pelicans team. And, you know, you've seen Josh Hart. You saw him come out during training camp and throw the ball around with Drew Brees, I believe. You saw Zion throw the ball around with Drew Brees. So it's really cool because as much as as both teams kind of um, try to have that cross-promotion, because obviously if you're a New Orleans sports fan, you're probably a fan of both teams. Sometimes that stuff uh, comes natively. And it's a, it's a lot of fun to see that from the players when they kind of just – embrace it and you've seen a lot of feedback from guys like I said like Josh Hart, Drew Holiday, Zion uh, you know when the rookies went to the Saints game that was a lot of fun so the more that they embrace it the more fun it is for fan because then you're gonna have fun with both teams and enjoy watching both teams. You've even seen them kind of do it outside of that they were at multiple Tulane football games yeah. they've been hanging around the Tulane basketball team you've seen, seen them go up to LSU for a game like they seem all, especially all the rookies and everyone though, it seems to really be embracing the city, the culture, the region too, which I think is a really big thing. And it just kind of adds a lot to really making this team very likable. I think that's one of the reasons why everyone's so sad that, you know, the season is kind of on hiatus right now is like, you like everyone on this team. There's not really any players you're like, oh, like whatever, I hate that dude. Not that anyone here would say something like that, but sometimes you get players on a team and you're like, yeah, I just don't care for that guy because of their attitude or what have you. I don't really see that at all with any of the, the players on this roster. When it comes to our rookies especially, like when you think about it, people are – they're essentially around our age, if not younger, 18, 19, 20-year-olds. I'm 34, um, so I'm like ancient when it comes players. to this sort of Sorry, thing. Sorry, when I motioned, <laughs> I was just talking about, you know, us three here. <laughs> um, but what is there to do for fun if you're an athlete other than going to sporting events? And I think that's what we saw kind of in preseason of, of players going to the Tulane Green Wave basketball games, football games, LSU games. So – um, it was really cool to see them kind of just embrace everything um, that they could in the state of Louisiana as far as a sports standpoint. And w- when you talk about their their characters and their personalities, it really is refreshing to not have a single player that you are intimidated to go speak to because they really all truly are one, just people, and they care about pretty much every person that they interact with. I know Theo, Betsy, um, you know, we all have to interact with them. We're all around them and you never fear like getting in their way or anything like that. It's nothing like that. They are, they are all genuine people and that's really fun to be around for me and them. 
No, that's really nice. So I'm a little scared to talk to Derek Favors because he has me blocked on Twitter. Um, and I don't know what I did, but apparently, <laughs> apparently he, I think, blocks a number of people like local media in there just to kind of tune us out like during the season anyway. That's but awesome. that was a bit of a surprise to see. I'm blocked by a number of like random NBA players I've learned. Um, that's awesome. Some like Marco Bellinelli has me blocked, but like I talk about a player like I just dislike. He's one of them. So like that's maybe justified a little bit. But like when I saw it from Derek Favors, it was like, okay, I must have done something that has really upset this guy. I don't think I actually did, though, which is which is a good good thing. Yeah, I've heard Derek Favors say all of like 36 words uh, in my They were all like, I hate Jake. Yeah, yeah, three (laughs) of them were I dislike that man. So. Oh man, this is serious. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's okay. Hopefully, um, you know, as long as he doesn't come try and like fight me, I think before or after <laughs> a game, I'm okay with with it all. Um, so, so keeping kind of with the game day experience, and I was saying how I think the Pelicans have done a really good job of really increasing things, whether it's kind of looking at a lot of the X's and O's stuff that you both look at during the pregame show, or the in arena kind of atmosphere and building all of that. How much input do you all have into kind of how some of that stuff gets built out and goes forth? Are there things you really want to try and do, things you think are going really well that really add to the experience? Yeah, I'll jump in here. I think uh, when it comes to the pregame show, especially since, uh, as CG said, this was like our, our first go at it. And we were, you know, developing some really good steam um, kind of coming up to this playoff push before a, an abrupt halt. I, I think that was a great chance for the two of us to, and Betsy too when she was able to fill in for any one of us if we couldn't be there just to you know try try a different stuff that you know we maybe didn't think of from the eating contest to um, certain language we could use for example using various musical references or something that makes sense for you know the culture of the people of New Orleans um, even to what was going on in the culture of basketball so for example like um, I, I love Slam Magazine and I think on Twitter back in maybe October, November, they had this like really funny um, competition about which player or basketball personality had the sharpest hairline. And uh, Lonzo Ball was one of the contestants. A lot of people were giving Jalen Rose a lot of love. I mean, rightfully so. His, his, his hairline is flawless. But what I was, was like, it was. You know, you're absolutely <laughs> right. It was. But um, hopefully I don't get blocked by Jalen Rose now. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but just – Taking, you know, those different elements, whether it is from NBA 2K20 and what's happening there, from Slam Magazine, from Sports Illustrated, and then just putting it all in what we're putting out there in in Smoothie King Center and the pregame show and the in-game experience and and just seeing what works, what didn't work, um, what people resonate with, how people respond to us. And and it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I think that was one of the the best parts about it. And just kind of even moving on the fly, even having something scripted and say, you know, okay, this well, let's try this for another time. This is what's more relevant now. Let, let's try this right now. So that was, that's, you know, one of the many things that I miss. I think also the beauty of having like our producers and our directors on our side too, is that um, they're easy to talk to and you don't like, for example, um, some now, Theo now does all the on-court uh, contests and I do all the fan hits and stuff with the fans in the stands and stuff. And um, they wanted to promote more of the uh, Pelicans team shop. 
And so I was able to come to them and say, hey, look, like, uh, if, if it's too much to ask, like, let's, we can add that hit into the game with me wearing the team item of the game since I'm always wearing it. And I can talk to the fans and, and get them more involved versus having um, Wayne, who is amazing, um, do that as well. So uh, I feel like it'd give them more personal, like, hey, this is what it looks like on a person. And I was able to come to the producers and directors and they were like, yeah, that's a great idea. And they, you know, that they let me take that hit and run with it. So that's- So Betsy's responsible for all the gear we've been getting. Good <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, going off of them, we work with some really great people from Kyle Huber to James Crosby to literally everyone on that side of it. They're so easy and fun to talk to. They just make you feel comfortable. And I think when you're doing things in this platform, such as like talking in front of a microphone or talking in front of a camera, you want to feel comfortable because if you don't feel comfortable, you're probably going to get in your own head and mess up. Um, and so they're always very open to us giving them ideas. I know specifically for the pregame show, there's a segment where we were just doing highlights and sometimes we can pull NBA highlights. Um, but I was like, Hey, I'm putting together these calls of the game of Todd Graffinini and John DeShazer. And why not let people hear how Todd goes bananas during the game? And because that's, that's really promotion for us. Like we want people to know that the radio broadcast exists and how great Todd uh, does on the radio broadcast so why not put that instead of the NBA highlights with a voice that nobody knows probably um, so they they did that and ran with it and then most recently we were starting to do play breakdowns um, which is something that I really like to do like X's and O's seeing how plays develop and stuff like that we were only able to do one um, before uh, corona ended up happening and things stopped but um, I think that's what makes it so fun is they're just willing and able to listen and adapt to new ideas and they just they just want it to be the best product possible whatever that looks like and you and i were talking before we started recording and everyone jumped on about all the content that the pelicans have been putting out even during this break and look i do the twitch show for them too which is like a new area of things and they were really receptive to all of that and a lot you know trying new ideas out and can definitely speak to them making you feel really comfortable and like let's try it and see what works which you're not seeing as many teams do because I think a lot of places try and play it really safe. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's nice to really kind of go out on a limb. Also having Todd Graffinini is pretty fun to, in your back pocket because that dude is a maniac in like the best <laughs> way possible. And as a Tulane alum um, and someone who works for Tulane currently, him taking this job has been a lot of fun to hear him just absolutely lose his mind on things that are just like in the normal normal course of play and not really big deals over the course of a game but makes them feel like it was like a game winning play he is fantastic to hear on the call with everything yeah he's a lot of fun he's a lot of fun and you know he's just he's emotional and he brings the passion and it's funny because this is my first year you know like clipping audio highlights and stuff like that and so the first game I clipped like every game every um <laughs> highlight where his voice kind of went up a little bit and I was like oh that's a highlight and then I realized that he does that on pretty much every play so I'm going to exhaust myself if I try to clip every single highlight where Todd goes bananas but um no he's been great for the broadcast and you, you have to love his emotion and his passion for the game there he has that in, in spades has he broken a microphone or anything like that yet 
not yet. So he requested a uh, stick mic as opposed yeah. to like the overhead one because he wants to be able to control, you know, the voice or his voice and everything. Um, but no, he has not broken a microphone yet. I, I look forward to the day that I've that heard happens. a story or two about that um, from the Tulane days. And I know he uses the old like handheld mic instead of the headsets, like very old school yes. uh, <laughs> with it for everything. So he's a fun guy to have, I'm sure, and work with on a daily basis. All right, we'll continue on with our conversation in just a second. But again, don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. All right, so speaking of excitement with, with Todd kind of in mind, have there been any kind of like highlights of the season you can all think of off the top of your head? Um, yeah, I'll let you take it. <laughs> Theo, I know you, you have one in mind. No, you already, you already mentioned the, the caking contest. You, no, which, the, which, the graph highlight, your favorite one of a certain, oh, yeah. oh, oh, man. Like his his call for the Jackson Hayes dunk, I, I apologize. I can't remember exactly which game it was, but just hearing Tyler scream like, Jackson! <laughs> that was a good impression. <laughs> that that to me is like his, like, well, at least, okay, it's my favorite, like, all-time Todd call. I'm, I'm sure he's going to have more once we get out of this Rona situation, but, man, like that Jackson Hayes call, like, Oh, that did it for me. What uh, What about everyone's like favorite? Just in, it doesn't have to be a Todd call either. It can just be anyone's favorite moment here this season so far too, because it's been pretty exciting. I think. Yeah, uh, Betsy, do you have, you want to go first? I well, I have I have one. Well, it's just like the moment when um, when Zion made what was it like thirteen points in like less than a minute or something? Yeah, the or threes, like, the four threes. The four yeah, threes the four were pretty threes ridiculous. Were, that was ridiculous. I was like, what? Kid's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> so that moment was interesting because, you know, he took that first three and he's like not a known three point shooter. Like he clearly can hit them if the if everything kind of goes well, but he launches that first one. It was like, can you not? And then it goes in so you don't get that upset over that sort of thing. Then he right. launches the second one and it's like, really you're gonna do okay, cool. I'm glad you shot it. The third one was like, yes, please take it. And then the fourth one, when he made it, it kind of had like a college game atmosphere in there where like people were bouncing up and down. The Smoothie King Center was going absolutely nuts during that time. And I think when people look back at this season, that's certainly kind of going to be up at the top, I think, in terms of highlights because we've been waiting so long for his debut. The Spurs had like game planned him out of the game and were kind of neutralizing him and throwing double teams at him. So for him to come in and knock down four threes in a row when like that's not his game and, you know, three pointers get everyone excited is, is a great moment. So that was a great one to bring up. Yeah, I think to your point, Jake, it was just kind of the anticipation of, of Zion. I mean, from the day that the Pelicans drafted him and seeing the celebration in uh, Fulton Alley, just – just remembering that and remembering the ticket office going bananas at, you know, announcing that the Pelicans were going to get the number one pick, just like the built up anticipation of everything that fans had gone through last year. And just like the, when is the season, you know, going to be over. Um, and then just, just going back on that high of realizing that you're going to get this incredible player, this incredible, incredible person, this incredible athlete um, in your city and it was just so much anticipation built up for that moment. And to, for him to hit four threes was just like, woo, uh, <laughs> crazy. But I think my favorite moment thus far um, was probably Brandon Ingram and Donovan Mitchell going bu bucket for bucket in that jazz game because that is just 
the kind of basketball you love to see. And they were basically just going one-on-one, like nobody else mattered. It was, it was fun basketball. It, what, Ingram had 49 in that, I think, yeah. and the win over the Jazz hit the game winner over Rudy Gobert, who should have been called for the foul in the previous game, and they didn't get it. So it kind of was like a little bit sweeter to stick it to that Jazz team. Also kind of my boss for the podcast stuff is David Locke, who is the radio voice of the Jazz. So yes. I always enjoy when they lose <laughs> to our team here. Yeah, David Locke is a good guy. I, I know him well. He's uh He's a lot, but he's fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's been great, but I do enjoy when we can beat them and I can talk a little bit of trash to him. Mm, yeah, he's, that's fun. I would talk trash to him if I could, too. <laughs> <laughs> Theo, what about you for the season? Yeah. yeah. One, one more moment I would add. Um, I, I got to give him all the props in the world. The, Pat McAfee, when he came out and did the introduction – I mean, I, I was a little nervous at first, and then I think I got very territorial because I was like, "This is this is Wayne's territory, man. Like, don't, like I love Wild Wayne. Like, don't don't do this." But then he grabbed the mic, he came out, he he had the sleeveless hoodie on, he he talked about Lonzo and his J and and what Zion's been doing with with kids on the internet and dunking on them for years prior <laughs> to coming to New Orleans. I was just like, "Oh my goodness!" I mean, you just. You just talk about like the energy going up and with the introductions, it was at a fever pitch and just how people loved it. We loved it. Everyone got a kick out of it. So between that and, and also the, the dance competition that went viral with the fans, remember that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I am mad that I didn't witness that in person. I think I had gone to the bathroom or something like that. And then I saw it go everywhere on Twitter and I'm like, oh, I missed a very epic live moment. There's been a couple like that this year with the baby races too and everything yep. as well. Oh, so, yeah. And then we had Always. the violinist playing uh, Chapa style. Like, so he he was great. Like in the moment, I remember being in the stands at that one and like everyone was like, oh, this guy's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he was really good. We came a party real quick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that tends to happen, you know, especially when things are kind of going well in the, in the Smoothie King Center. You see that a lot. And like, even to your point about Pat McAfee, you know, it, it's moments like that when it's like, oh, yeah, sports are sh- should be fun. And sometimes I think people kind of get a little too wrapped up in the wins and losses and can get really down over some of this stuff. But also, it's just kind of fun to be there in the moment and experience all this and do it as a community, too, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, I think, is when, you know, the, this team plays a very big role in the city other than just trying to get into the playoffs and winning an NBA title. And you three are all important with that. Everyone who's kind of, you know, involved in the game day stuff with that is really important in it. And even those little moments are really great that you kind of remember. And it's like, especially now when we're stuck inside and haven't seen people in a while, it's like, oh yeah, I enjoyed that. Think about Zion's debut. We were just talking about it. And I don't know if y'all remember, but we lost that game to the Spurs. (laughs) I remember Zion being pretty disappointed after and players being pretty disappointed, but like, after you go four or four, like after you hit four threes, I don't remember if he was four or four or four or five, but you're going to be pretty excited. And like I said, all that, that anticipation kind of built up for that moment. And that's what I took away from that game was the experience and, and finally seeing all the pieces come together. It wasn't that we lost to the Spurs, even though, of course, uh, I do remember because that was going to have huge playoff implications later on if we were to continue the season. But uh, yeah, that's what I took away from that game. And it was, it was a fun time to be in the Smoothie King Center. 
And that's different from years past because I remember there are plenty of times, and I think it was two or three seasons ago, AD dropped 50 in the opener against the Nuggets and the Pelicans lost. And it was like, okay, you don't even talk about how great he was and how awesome he was in that game. And he was fantastic if you're putting up 50. It's like, oh, great. This is how the season's going to start. And that is not the feeling right now, which I think is a really great thing around this franchise and why people are so excited about everything. So it's, it's cool to kind of see a shift in all of that. So while we're all kind of stuck inside under quarantine and everything, do you all have any recommendations for what you've been watching, reading, listening to? Has everyone watched Tiger King, I'm assuming, at this point? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I did watch Tiger King, but I, um, I, it's a, can we all? It is no. something. It's something. It's something. Um, but honestly, I've been watching and I've been keeping up with, um, I think I follow individually like the Pelicans hype team and the Pelicans dance team. And they've been putting out like challenges. Not that I'm a dancer, but I've been, I've been trying to, <laughs> I haven't posted any of them yet, but it's, it's a working progress. That's a good way to keep up with everything. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, when I'm not playing 2K20 and hoping that the season comes back soon, I would say, Let's see, whatever. There's a show called The Circle on Netflix. Have anybody heard of that? I've had friends who've watched it. I haven't, I haven't watched it. it. This is a must watch. I feel like if Tiger King wasn't out there, I have still yet to watch Tiger King. I'm sorry. But I, I, I'm sorry. It's like I know what's going to happen. I'm sorry. But if Tiger King wasn't out there, I think all of us would be talking more and more about The Circle. And that, that is a hilarious reality show based on social media and and the personalities and the catfishing that could happen on social media if someone takes it that far. It's, it's uh, really, really interesting. So I, I highly recommend that for folks out there. Check out The Circle. I love that show. I watched it like as it was coming out because it was one of those shows that like put out new episodes like weekly. Um, so I was, I was hooked. And I'm gonna be honest, if I went on The Circle, I would, I would totally catfish. What? what would the what would the persona you would you would you make up for the show? I think I would be a guy, and <laughs> <laughs> I think I would be a guy, and I wouldn't be like one of those sexy like model guys. I would just be like your average Joe, you know, like that way nobody could suspect that I'm catfishing. You're just like so unassuming that everyone would be like, "Oh, there's no way someone lies about this." <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I kind of like went into this thing thinking it'd be like a month, a month and a half. And so like I set like all these goals for myself at the beginning, like I bought Madden, which like Daniel Salerson had to give me his old Xbox because I don't have like a gaming system. I played Tony Hawk when I was like seven and that's about the extent of the experience I have with video games. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna go buy Madden. I'm going to like learn more about football and like schemes and everything and i played it like one time and i was like i am the worst at this and i have zero hand-eye coordination and i have zero interest in learning anything about hand-eye coordination so i'm just gonna stop doing this um and then i thought i was gonna teach myself spanish that didn't work uh you know i have started reading some books uh called soul keeping um i've started to learn a lot more about financial literacy because i realize i have no idea anything about money that i probably should um especially in this day and age when like you really don't know a whole lot about the future and and what's going to happen um so just kind of like trying to develop those personal things that like before you could always write off because you don't have time so like financial literacy uh you know meditation making sure 
physically, mentally, you're all kind of in sync. And then of course, uh, with the Pelicans and Saints, we're trying to push out so much content and keeping up with all that stuff. So my job kind of hasn't changed. It's just more remote than it is anything. But um, with more downtime in the afternoons and less, you know, grocery shopping and things like that, uh, after my work hours, I kind of just try to focus on those things, not Madden or anything like that. <laughs> so, so Theo's going to be like, so next challenge is going to be a Madden game. And <laughs> right. So can we set this up for a pregame show next time? Like, oh. you know. You can be the Saints. I'll, I'll be somebody else. It's cool. There's so I many buttons. Waiting. There's like four main buttons and then the buttons on the back. And it's like, what? What? Just give me three buttons and that's all I need. We could play like college overtime rules. It's like, okay, <laughs> we start on 25 and then see if you can score and then vice versa. And whoever comes out on top, that's the winner. You know, what, you know what we need to happen? We need y'all to do a Papa Shot challenge where I host it. And um, it could it should happen like during like halftime or something. I feel okay. like we should take all the cameras up to the 300 level and ha where the Papa shot is. And that's what should be the next challenge. I'm down. Let's do it. That's a good one. You got the spot up there for it. As long as they don't show if we ever do another media basketball game again, because that was so bad. The Gentry and the players who were there were laughing pretty hard at everything for that. I also thought I was going to die during that game. Um, <laughs> That was so bad. I was about I as hungover as possible, and that game was at <laughs> 2 o'clock. Uh, I will just straight up admit that one right now. <laughs> it's funny because I, like, I remember that game because it was maybe – I forget if it was, like, my second week at work. Yeah, you, were, was, you like, were, like, brand new, I think. Yeah, I was fairly new at work, and, like, people had heard that I played college basketball and were, like, super excited to have me on their team. But they didn't tell them that I didn't play my entire senior season because I hurt my back. And so I hadn't touched the basketball in eight months. And then they're like, oh, we got this college basketball player out here. And this is my first time touching a basketball. It's a men's basketball and an NBA court. So I remember shooting a three from the NBA three. And I was like, oh, yep, that's an air ball. That's a little <laughs> bit short there. So, yeah, that was a fun experience to uh, welcome myself to the Pelicans beat. They, look, <laughs> you still outplayed, I think, uh, most of us. We were on the same team, and yeah, I think I was 0 for 3 in that game. I did grab a rebound over Andrew Smith that I was pretty pleased about because he's got like four inches on me. Yeah. Um, so I was proud of that moment. But yeah, so, you know, there's ways to kind of integrate it, I think, a little bit more. Papa Shot might be a little bit better for everybody. Yeah. Less running, less cardio. There you go. There you go. I could do that one hungover at least. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so has anyone got any good restaurant recommendations in New Orleans for this time? Oh, I got one. I, I don't know if – well, for the folks that are as close as possible to Lower, Lower Garden District, I would say check out Lily's Cafe. It's a Vietnamese spot on Magazine uh, right across from Grigri. I wish Grigri was still open. But Lily's is amazing, the best uh, spicy pork dinner with rice that you could ask for. With, uh, with a little side salad and some chopped up cucumbers and some sweet chili sauce. It's delicious. So I know they limited their hours recently, but Lily's, that's, that is the spot. You probably see me there. <laughs> I will say, though, during this quarantine, I've, I started cooking a lot more. Me too. Because um, Oh, y'all are so good. <laughs> yeah, no, look, it's so expensive so fast. Right. I'm trying to save money. And, and like, so even with free delivery, it's like, ugh. Yeah. Any, anything in particular you've cooked that you really like recently? Tacos. <laughs> uh, look, we did that the other night. It was awesome. For my go-to. Me too. I've been making these. Uh, let me just put y'all 
on game real quick because this is what I've started to do. So you have the HelloFresh app, which is a delivery, a food delivery app, but I don't use it for food delivery. I just use it for their recipes and it's very easy and it has all the ingredients right there and like step-by-step instructions for everything. And I love the sweet potato tacos that I've started to make. You just like roast sweet potatoes, like cut them up like fries, throw some um, cabbage in there. It's really easy. It's probably my favorite taco to date, which is really saying something because I'm a taco connoisseur. Um, But yeah, I've definitely been cooking at home a lot, lot more because eating out definitely gets expensive, but uh, doing what I can here. Haven't burned down my kitchen yet. (laughs) (laughs) Taking pretty good steps here. Uh, So I want to thank you all for taking the time to come on and chat with me today for Locked on Pelicans. This was a lot of fun. We'll definitely have to do it again soon and hopefully see everybody in person in the Smoothie King Center sooner rather than later, though I know it's kind of still a little bit unknown on what, what might happen the rest of the year. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. This was awesome. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget, subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan, uh, Rejecting the Screen with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko. And now my new favorite NBA podcast, Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. You can do that through your smart devices. Just tell, tell it to play podcast, whatever or play podcast Locked On Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all next week.